Welcome to Stories Behind the Stars podcast, dedicated to honoring the fallen heroes of World War II. In this interview, I have the opportunity to hear from John Slater, one of our amazing researchers here with Stories Behind the Stars. John, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started here with the project? Well, the Stories Behind the Stars project was really kind of custom made for me. Uh, I have a writing background. I'm a journalism graduate. I was a newspaper reporter in my younger years. I worked in corporate public relations for 31 years, so I've spent my life doing a lot of writing. Uh, in retirement, I've written a couple of books that have to do with veterans, one related to World War II and one uh, related to Vietnam. And in the summer of 2020, uh, my daughter, who lives in the Salt Lake City area, saw a newspaper story about Don Milne and the project to write the stories uh, of men from Utah who died in the war. And she passed that along to me, knowing of my interest. And it came at a very good time because uh, I'm retired, so I don't have a job to go to every day. And in the pandemic, I didn't have anything else to do. Uh, I had occupied my time with woodworking, but I had run out of scrap wood uh, to make things out of and really was looking for something to do. Uh, so in, uh, in about June or July of 2020, I started writing these stories uh, and I found it uh, very interesting uh, and rewarding and a good way to fill up my time and do something productive. So that's how I got into it. As you've been researching, John, what is the most difficult aspect of each story? Well, it, it varies probably the, the most difficult thing. It, it's usually pretty easy to find out who the person was, where they died, and a little bit about it, and generally when they were born and where. Uh, but once you get into looking for the family, uh, it can get more difficult. Now, with the Utah stories, uh, I think it's a little easier in Utah uh, because of the, the heavy influence of so many people there being members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Mormons, um, because of their emphasis, number one, on large families, family values, and uh, a lot of interest in genealogy. So in the Utah stories, it was relatively easy. You could almost always find a newspaper story that told the parents' names and the siblings, sometimes the grandparents, and that made it easier. Uh, when you get outside of Utah, sometimes you find that and sometimes you don't. Uh, so I did find um, that looking into the family history of the person uh, could sometimes be difficult. Uh, Ancestry.com is a good resource for that because if you can find them in the census, then you can see uh, what the father did, what the mother did as she was employed outside the home and what their history was. But, but sometimes finding the family history was rather difficult. As you've been researching fallen soldiers, has there been anything you've found that is really fascinating or things you didn't know before? Well, there are lots of things. One is the, the way that World War II and the deaths of these men impacted so many people and how widespread the impact was. Uh, and I, I use the example of um, well-known people. Uh, in the stories that I have written, one of the men who was killed in the war, uh, his last name was Jarvis, and he was from uh, Bingham, Utah. His brother was Howard Jarvis. 
Now, younger people might not know Howard Jarvis, but in the 1970s, Howard Jarvis was legendary. He was a, an anti-tax campaigner, and he's responsible for what's called Proposition 13, I think it is, in California, that limits property taxes. So Howard Jarvis lost a brother in World War II. Uh, one of the other ones that I worked on was a, a soldier. His last name was Hopkins, and his name had Johns Hopkins in it. He was a distant relative of the Johns Hopkins who founded uh, the Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, and he's kind of a, a twofer. Uh, he's also a distant cousin of Allison Janney, uh, the actress uh, who starred on The West Wing on television and has starred in... Uh, in other uh, television shows and movies. And finally, um, I find it interesting if the soldier was married to see what happened to the widow after the war. Almost all of them remarried, almost all of them pretty quickly because, you know, they're young women. They, gotta, they don't have a way to support themselves generally at that time. Uh, one of the men from Utah who died, his wife remarried. Uh, her second husband was Barney Clark. Barney Clark was the first person in the world to receive an artificial heart at um, the University of Utah Hospital. So the, one of the, you know, the kind of side or tangent things I found is that a lot of these people have backstories that are related to famous people. Wow, that is so cool to see the connections that they have to people who went on and, and had full lives and, and those their progenitors. As you've been researching, what is one piece of advice you would have to someone who's thinking about joining or is new to this? Well, the first thing is don't be afraid to do it. Uh, with the resources, once you get into Ancestry and newspapers and start looking on the web, you can find the information. You don't have to be a Pulitzer Prize winning writer to write these stories. It's just, just telling a story as, as we're all able to do. Um, the second is uh, don't just stop with the person that uh, once you start, if you're able to look into uh, what was their family life like, and again, were they married, what happened to the, to the widow after the war, what did the parents do, what else happened, you find some very interesting things. Uh, you'll find some heartbreaking things. Uh, I've had a couple of stories where the widow remarried and the second husband, like, died in a work accident the next year uh, or in, uh, you know, parents who lost other children in other ways. So there's, there's a lot more. To the, the story of the soldier and how he died and who he was is very important and very interesting. But there's also a lot of other stories if you start pulling the string. Do you feel like in your research, um, having a vast knowledge of World War II has really helped you write these stories? Could you could you write these stories without like a, a like a, a ton of knowledge of everything that happened in World War II? Or well, it, it helps to have some knowledge. I'm 70 years old, so I was born in 1950. So I, you know, I heard about the war from my parents. I studied it in school, and I've done some research on it. And I, you know, I generally know the European theater, the Pacific theater, the different uh, battles on the Pacific Islands. And so when I see you know, if I see a, a reference to Luzon, I know, okay, Luzon's an island in the Philippines. It was part of the island hopping going to Japan. Um, 
but you don't have to have that kind of knowledge. It's, you know, there's so many resources. If, if you're researching a soldier who died somewhere, uh, you can very quickly with the internet find out where that was, what that battle was and all the information about it. So it helps some to have some history and knowledge of the war, but it's certainly not critical. Yeah, I guess, you know, really when they find out where they were killed in action or, or, or how they passed away or where, you really just have to Google search that. And it's kind of amazing, the resource of the Google. Yes, and, and one of the resources that it's very hit or miss, but sometimes it's just amazing, is um, after the war, particularly I think in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s, uh, a lot of the veterans wrote their stories and their recollections. And they had uh, different units would have reunions and had organizations. And then when the internet came along, they would uh, create websites. Now, by this time, the guys were fairly old. They were probably my age, um, but they were able to put together websites. And sometimes you can find very little about the circumstances of a man who died. Other times I've found where a man who was with him, he was killed wrote several paragraphs about what happened. And so you get the firsthand account from someone who was there. So these histories that have been written by the men who were there are certainly a valuable resource if you can find them. So where would you look for those? Would you look just for like history of whatever unit they were serving in? Or? The best way is to, uh, to search for the name of the unit. Now, you have to kind of play around with it a little because you know, the unit was generally a number and a descriptor, like the, the 394th Armored Artillery Battalion. So if you start searching for 394 in armor or 394 in artillery or 394 in battalion, you'll start getting hits. But it is kind of hit or miss to find it. And, uh, you know, some people might find that a little daunting. I sort of enjoy it. I, I like the chase of... Uh, tracking these things down. My motto, and my wife is tired of hearing me say this, and I started doing this back when I was um, researching World War II postcards and trying to find the men who wrote them. And my motto is, if they're out there, I'll find them. And so I, I'm pretty persistent in looking for things. I kind of feel like it's it's an element of, you know, Sherlock Holmes, where you get to be that, you know, solve this mystery and figure things out, put the puzzle pieces together. Yeah. Well, exactly. And that, uh, I was a newspaper reporter uh, a long, long time ago. And uh, the approach that I would take is I'm looking for a piece of information. It's out there somewhere. You got to figure out who has it and how do you get to them. And it's the same thing in researching these stories. The information's there somewhere. You just got to find it. So do you have any stories that really impacted you or just where you walked away like, wow? Well, there are uh, several. One that I found very poignant. Uh, there was a young man from Kentucky. His name was uh, Edward Maynard, PFC Edward Maynard. Uh, he had a twin brother, Edgar, and uh, they also had a, another brother whose name I'm going to find here in just a moment. Um, and the three of them, and this was fairly common in the war, uh, served in the same unit. And uh, I've lived in Eastern Kentucky. I'm from East Tennessee. I know the area. These guys from the, were from the very, very poor coal mining area of Eastern Kentucky. Uh, they were, you know, mountain boys, and they all went into the same unit. 
they served together, the, the three brothers, and they were uh, fighting on, um, on the island of Luzon. And on April 22nd, 1945, uh, Edward uh, was shot uh, and his brothers were with him. And he wasn't killed instantly. And they, they helped him into the shade of a big rock. And the three of them sat there talking about life back home. And, you know, Ma and Pa and uh, Edward, the one who was shot, was married. They talked about his wife. Uh, and he died in the arms of his twin brother. And uh, you can't make that up. It's a true story. And you, you could not make it up. Uh, another one, uh, I have um, uh, two that have to do with the widows and what happened to them because I find that particularly interesting. And one of them is something that happened just this week. Um, I wrote a story of Lieutenant uh, Edgar Wade. Uh, he was killed in Belgium during the Battle of the Bulge, was from Salt Lake City. And uh, his, uh, his widow uh, was, I mean, she was only 20 years old when he died. Uh, she uh, took off and went to New York, left Salt Lake City, went to New York, studied fashion design, uh, married a man from New York, uh, had two children, uh, had a very uh, full, rich, successful life. Uh, her husband died. Uh, she moved back to Salt Lake City, died at the age of 90. So I wrote his story. And uh, about a few days ago, I get this email through Fold 3 from a man who says, uh, my mother is the widow of Lieutenant Wade. I read your story on Fold 3. I really like it. Thank you so much for doing it. How did you find all your information? And so I, uh, I connected with this man and we have exchanged emails. Uh, and uh, I live here in the Salt Lake area. He lives in California, but he comes here quite often. And one of these days he's gonna come here uh, and we're going to meet and have lunch and go put a flower on his mother's grave here in Salt Lake City. So I've made, uh, made that connection. And then my last story that has to do with a widow, a very poignant one, um, there was an, another man also from Salt Lake City, Bill Thiessen. Uh He was 22 years old. Uh, he was killed in May of 1945 when the Japanese, uh, when a Japanese kamikaze plane uh, crashed into the destroyer uh, USS Douglas H. Fox. Uh, he was married. So he died in uh, 1945. His widow did not remarry. And if I can, I always try to go find the widow's obituary, which would be many years later, and see what happened to this lady over the years. I found her obituary. And it said, um, it was written by her children. And it said, she has waited a lifetime to be reunited with him. And we know the reunion is joyous. So this woman married her high school sweetheart. He died in the war and uh, she waited 56 years to be reunited, reunited with him in the next life. Wow, that is absolutely beautiful. I love how as we do these stories, it's no longer a man on a ledger or a name in a book. It's a story about what they gave up, what families gave up, and what she gave up individually. Well, that, that's a lesson I learned. Um, I, I wrote a book about men who died in Vietnam on the 4th of July. It's called Died on the 4th of July. 
And in researching it, I came across a man who was a high school teacher in Pennsylvania who was a Vietnam veteran. And when he taught a section on Vietnam War, he would have his students go research men who died in Vietnam. And he said something very poignant, which is what you just pointed out. He said, when you look, 58,000 men died in Vietnam. He said, when you look at a number like 58,000, it doesn't mean anything. It's so big, it's just a number. But when you look at an individual, you see this is a life that was shattered, a family that was shattered, a family that will never be the same. Uh, and that's what you find when you do this. And it's not 58,000, it's 400,000. John, do you have any other stories you want to share with us? And just one other one that uh, I really I found quite interesting and put a lot of work into and I'm very proud of. Um, there was a one of the, probably the first Medal of Honor recipient from World War II <clears throat> was a Navy captain named Mervyn Binion, B-E-N-N-I-O-N. Uh, he was from Utah uh, and was the commander of the uh, USS West Virginia, which was bombed and sunk at Pearl Harbor. Uh, his actions that day were very heroic. He was mortally wounded in the attack, but he, uh, for the next two or three hours before he died, he commanded his men and helped recover as best they can. And he was uh, awarded the Medal of Honor. Um, he grew up in a very poor farming family out in uh, one of these areas of Utah that is very dry land, almost desert. Um, managed to get an appointment to the Naval Academy uh, had a Navy career for like you know 30 years uh, and was a Navy captain, commander of a ship uh, when he was killed and had a very, very uh, illustrious career um, in the Navy. And I was able, because of the, the family history emphasis here in Utah, to find a lot of things about him. And then I found that his family has a, uh, a family history website and the man who, um, who administers the website is also named Binion, and he's a professor of English at Brigham Young University. So I collaborated with him and had him review what I wrote and add to it to come up with a very comprehensive story. And I will have to say it's a little uh, disconcerting to write something and have it reviewed by a man who's a professor of English, uh, but he was very kind. Uh, and so my story of uh, Captain Mervyn Sharp Binion uh, was a high point for me. Uh, he's buried here in Salt Lake, and uh, when the pandemic's over and it's easier to get out, I plan to go visit his grave also. Wow, that's so cool. Uh, so he had living children then, obviously, because he was quite older when he was killed in World War II then. He does. I think his, uh, his children have all passed away, but he has grandchildren who are, are still in the area. And that's something I'm, I'm finding is... Uh, and I may have the opportunity to go meet some of these people. When I started writing this, I was living in Las Vegas. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, we pulled up roots and moved to the Salt Lake area. And a lot of the men that I wrote about have relatives here in Salt Lake City area. And I hope to connect with some of them. That's really amazing. Well, we really appreciate all the hard work that you've done on this project. And, and we're hoping that with this podcast, we'll just spread the news, get some more stories out there, let people know, you know, there's just the power of this project and what's happening to honor these men and their families. 
and just you know just people everyday citizens like you who just want to do something and and give back and we really appreciate our volunteers and we're so excited to see the momentum we've been getting and we hope that this podcast is just another thing that people can listen to get inspired and and continue to uh give uh, give their time and their energy to creating these stories thank you for listening If you are at all interested in volunteering or just want to learn more about our amazing project, please visit us at www.storiesbehindthestars.org.